for the What is nothing? Yeah, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. Hey, welcome to That's Deep, Bro. I'm your host, Christina Pajitsky. Christina? Pajitsky. That's how you're supposed to say it. I saw it on a TED Talk. If you want people to, <laughs> to remember your name, you're supposed to go, you say the, the first name up, Christina, take a pause, Pajitsky. Christina Pajitsky. There you go. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you for downloading this episode of That's Deep Bro. I got uh, some juicy little nuggets for you. Um, uh, but first I want to encourage you to do your Christmas shopping this Christmas season, Hanukkah, whatever the heck it is you celebrate using Amazon and using my banner, go to that steep row podcast.com. Click on the banner at the bottom of every blog post and do your shopping as you normally would. It's just that simple to support the show. If you love my show and I hope you do then um, support it by doing your Christmas shopping. And listen, don't travel with gifts. What are you, crazy? You want TSA to unwrap all your stuff? Because they do. They see you got the gifts in the carry-on because you don't want to check it in because you don't want it to get stolen. And these dum-dums will unwrap everything you got. So don't trust the man. Have it shipped directly to the place you're going. You know, why? why not? Why not? There we go. What else? What other news do I have? Uh, the touring is winding down. I'm going to be in Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia. Um, when is it? December, I think, 8th through 10th. Go see me there. Other than that, that's it, bro. That's all I got. Uh, oh, man. So this morning I was uh, hanging out with LJ, Little Jeans, my son, and I tried to play him cool music because... You know, you just don't want your kid growing up to be a douchebag. That's like my worst fear is that I raise a douchebag. You know what I mean? Like those boys I see in the neighborhood, the place I live now, I I see uh, uh, these boys driving around in their Camaros, um, smoking cigarettes and like just listening to dog shit music. Like for me personally, it's not my fucking bag. I don't like pop music. I don't like meaningless music. I, it makes me go fucking nuts uh, when the lyrics are just repetitive nonsense. You know, like uh, I remember that there was this Black Eyed Peas song, and I know they're hugely popular. I'm just not on the bandwagon, but there is this song. It was like, tonight's going to be a good night. Tonight's going to be a good, good night. Tonight's the night. It's going to be good. We're going to be good tonight. That's the night. You're like, who the fuck is, is enjoying this dog shit? I mean, I get that it's, you know, the beats are cool. Is that what the kids are saying? The beats are cool. The whatever, the music of it. But I had this disease where I listen to words and if the words are dumb, oh my God. So I'm playing this morning for my kiddo. Every morning I try to play him cool shit. Like I... You know, I play Bossa Nova. Obviously, I'm a huge Bossa Nova fan. I, I Everything in uh, Portuguese, because we're, we're both fluent in Portuguese, my 11-month-old kiddo and me. Uh, and I like to expose him to, like, cool shit. So this morning, it was the Stone Roses. I fucking love the Stone Roses, right? Who doesn't? Hello, the 90s. Good stuff. It's funny, because when I lived in the 90s, I thought everything sucked. And now that I'm in 2016, I think everything really sucks, and we had it pretty good musically in the 90s. Let's see. Can I fucking play this right? Oh, so there's a, I love the Stone Roses. They have a few good fucking jams, but oh, let's see how long the intro is on this one, though. <laughs> That's what kills me, this fucking song. It's such a dope song. It takes 10 minutes to get to get good. Anyway, Stone Roses, if you didn't like them, and if you didn't like the Jesus Mary chain, fuck you. You suck. Just kidding. I don't care. I don't really care. Uh, Anyway, I'm going to talk a little bit. I feel like a music DJ, you know, when they had to, like, talk up the songs. Uh, Oh, here we go. Let me read the iTunes. 
a career crippingly hard act to follow. The Stone Roses' shaggy but sculpted 1989 debut nevertheless comes by its reputation as one of the finest UK albums ever. Oh, boy. I don't know. I just like this shit. I like the song Fool's Gold, and I like this one. I Want to Be Adored is the song. And I mean, I was like 12 years old when this came out, or 13. Oh, I thought it was so fucking cool. I remember this is when I started smoking cigarettes. This is the year. Yeah. I would wear a lot of black. We were called mods back then, not emo, mods. Go to Westwood. That's where we used to hang out. Oh, shit. Before Melrose, there was Westwood people in the late 80s in California. If you grew up in L.A., Rocky Horror Picture Show at the New Art Theater in Santa Monica. Go there at midnight when I was 13. Oh, shit. Here we go. Oh, this is what takes me back to being 13, man. Smoking Camel Light cigarettes. Sneaking them out the window. My parents were sleeping. Like they couldn't smell that shit, right? They're just shitty parents. All right, here we go. thinking of it this morning as I was singing this to my son and he looked at me blankly I was feeding him yogurt dancing to this and I thought what wonderful lyrics you know you don't have to sell your soul he's already in me uh basically the idea being hey man I don't have to sell my soul I don't have to be somebody else like to be loved I want to be adored but you know, the guy's already in me. The winner's already in me who's worthy of love. And I thought, wow, I didn't even put that shit together when I was 13 years old listening to the Stone Roses, right? I just thought it was a song about, about um, you know, wanting a girlfriend. But uh, I just thought, gosh, how funny that, uh, you know, a million years later, I hear that song and I hear something completely different. Let's see what the lyrics are, because I really dig it. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I don't have to sell my soul. He's already in me. I don't need to sell my soul. He's already in me. I want to be adored. Well, I guess that's it. (laughs) Those are the lyrics. (laughs) And here I am talking shit about the Black Eyed Peas for being overly simplistic. (laughs) But uh, it, it kind of is important because it's very succinct. I don't have to sell my soul. He's already in me. I want to be adored. Uh, pretty fucking profound, although uh, pretty repetitive. Sorry, guys. Uh, because it kind of falls on the heels of this really cool email I got this morning. I mean, I was like searching for a topic today to talk about with you guys because truth be told, I'm in the midst of getting ready to move or moving in like a week and some change and it kind of happened fast and... Um, And so I've really been in action mode, not so much thinking and contemplative mode, which is different, obviously, when you're, when your very fucking existence is at stake, where you live, it's, it's kind of, it kind of puts everything else on the back burner, including like deep ass thoughts. But, um, so I've been in the doing mode and I've been exercising, Hey, and I've been on the primal diet. So I fucking want to blow my brains out, um, Every day. I'm drinking my primal shake right now, which is good. It's like a break from eating meat and vegetables. It's it's like chocolate flavored, so that's cool. 
Reminds me of those Slim Fast shakes that everybody used to drink uh, back in the day. Those canned things that were just full of like some kind of upper, man. Because those, like they taste all good and chocolatey and then you'd just be doing push-ups and wow, wow, seeing through time. I got my Slim Fast shake. There's some kind of amphetamine in that shit back in the day. I don't even know if Slim Fast is still around. Is that even a thing anymore? I think it's been outlawed. It's been outlawed with shit like Crystal Light. Remember that? You be- I believe in Crystal Light because I believe in me. And basically that's just loaded with speed too. And like, you know, uh, chunky broads like me in the 80s would drink that shit and get all jacked up and not want to eat. Well, there, there you go. So back to this email I got, uh, I was uh, searching for a topic and then I thought, well, gosh, this is kind of the uh, the underlying theme of uh, the last few months with me uh, that I've been thinking about this topic and falls on the heels of this Stone Roses song, I Want to Be Adored. Here, I'll just go ahead and read it. This is from, let's see if she says not to use her name. Nope, she says nothing about that. This is uh, from Jess from Minneapolis. She writes, Dear Main Mommy, thank you. I was wondering if you could do a podcast on the value of self. This is a concept that I've been struggling with for a long time. And regardless of what my therapist and loved ones say, I don't believe any of the nice things they say to me. How does a person realize that they have value when they honestly believe they don't? I'm a graduate student and have recently realized that I need to cut back on my hours at work in order to maintain my sanity. I've been working two full-time jobs. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. For the last seven years and going to school full time. What? While maintaining a 4.0 GPA. Holy shit, Jessica. How did you do that? I do these things because I believe that by working hard to support myself and doing well in school, I can show people, Hey, look what I can do. I can do all these things. Do you love me yet? Oh yeah. In my core of thoughts, And what I believe about myself, I feel that if I don't do all these things and show people that I can do everything, that I'm not worthy of love. What is up, mommy? Why can't I see the value in myself? And how do I learn to see the value in myself? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Man, Jessica, did you you read my diary? Have you been in my brain, Miss Jessica? Have you been lurking in my mind? Because uh, this is like, you know, and I think this is a subject that um, a lot of people who, interestingly enough, grow up with, drum roll please, shitty parents. Shitty parents. Um, where's Dan Pena? Where is he? This is what happens when you are... Uh, raised. You want to know why you're all fucked up? There you go. Thank you, Dan. Uh, it's shitty parenting. A lot of that. Uh, hold on a second. I, I got to write these thoughts down before they they uh, fucking vanish. Okay. Uh, it's 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 what happens when you have parents that don't reinforce. How do I say this? Uh, when you have parents who make it about them, right? So let's say we have a kid and. Uh, and you have a kid and your job is to let that person, that little being, evolve the way they're going to evolve. Your job is to nurture and uh, allow a space for somebody to exist, right? To come into their own being. Unfortunately, a lot of us grew up with people that were, uh, you know, for whatever reason, damaged maybe had trauma, maybe came from other countries, maybe have problems with addiction, mental illness, et cetera, et cetera. It's not their fault, not blaming anybody. Um, And maybe they don't have that capability of nurturing and giving and allowing the space for another little person's being, and they make it about them. And so you're always in a state when you're a little person, not a midget, but just a little (laughs) human, you're always in the state of taking care of mommy and daddy. Or maybe you grew up in an abusive home where you had to regulate, you had to be really careful about what you said and to whom and when and blah, 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 blah. And you were never given the ability, given the, um, the space to just exist. You were always 
afraid of the other shoe dropping, right? Your, your shoulders are up over your ears. You're always having to maybe sometimes literally take care of a drunk mom. Maybe you're tucking mom in. I've heard people talk about that. Um, maybe you're, you know, having to take care of your younger siblings because mom and dad are not around to do that. Maybe you're, uh, I don't know, a whole host of things, right? And so you don't have a strong sense of self. What you have is a, a sense of taking care of other people, of of being a receptacle sometimes for mommy and daddy's feelings. Like they might talk to you as an adult when you're not an adult. <laughs> Shit like that. Again, I'm not a therapist, by the way. I have no fucking credential other than uh, the school of life that I've lived. So please it, don't take what I say as any form of therapy. You should be in therapy. This is not therapy. This is just my opinion on why shit goes down the way it does. Having lived around stand-up comedians for the last fucking 15 years, um, having grown up in my personal history uh just what i've experienced this is not a professional opinion but anyways i digress uh the point is you're kind of not <clears throat> given a space to develop your own thoughts your own feelings your own needs were not met so if you grow up kowtowing to other people's shit your whole life as a kid of course you're going to grow up and have what therapists call a fragmented sense of self. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So Mr. Dan Pena, who I had the distinct pleasure and honor of speaking with. That's right. He's going to be on um, your mom's house next week. We're editing that together. Um, Such a super class act uh, winner. Of course, he's a winner. He, t- he tells it like it is, which is why we love him. And he's super funny and um, inappropriate. Inappropriate at times, which is great. Uh, inappropriate by today's standards, I should say. Not inappropriate in and of itself. There'd be uh, plenty of cunts here, but you may be the first cunt to walk out. I love him. This guy is like every guy I grew up around. This is my dad. This is the voice of every... If, you, if you're a fucking immigrant, chances are people in your family... Uh, talk like this. You're not the old end all shit. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. This is why you're fucking poor. <laughs> so in my conversation with Dan Pena and he has a website, the $50 billion man. Let me make sure I have this correct. Uh, the $50 billion man. Uh, he is a $50 billion man. He was an oil tycoon and he was fired from the company he began, meaning like the shareholders fired him, which is pretty fucking common. No, I'm sorry. It's danpena.com, D-A-N-P-E-N-A.com, the $50 billion man. Um, he's a very successful human being. And I think you should always, if you want to be, if you if you want to be better, bigger, I think you should definitely look up to people that have the thing you want to get. And I don't know. I like I like Dan Pena for many reasons. He's a very successful human. And a lot of what he has to say about achieving in the world of business, which is not dissimilar from achieving in the game of life, the world of life, is that you have to unlearn a lot of the bullshit that you were taught. Because well-meaning people, mommies, daddies, churches, friends, teachers, whoever, they kind of fill your head with dog shit when you're a kid. Um, And then you have to unlearn that stuff as an adult in order to become a productive adult. What do I mean by the unlearning? Um, I'll tell you one thing, like the, the horse shit that I was taught in Catholic school. I love Catholic school, by the way. I had a great experience in Catholic school. I... I love it. I'm an advocate of Catholic school only because, not only, but one of the primary reasons being that my home life was so chaotic and so um, I hated it. I hated being home. I hated the chaos of it. So to go to a school where I wore a uniform and there was a lot of structure and a lot of discipline and I knew exactly what could be expected of me and I knew what to expect uh, was like God was just my savior. It was one of the things that saved me as a human being was um, Catholic school. Now, was it the God stuff? I don't know. Not necessarily. It was the structure, and I, I think it was the the moral the morality. I liked the idea 
of, um, I like Jesus. I think I like Jesus. I dug a lot of the stuff that he taught as a, as a child, I'm saying. Um, but I'm not so sure teachings in the Catholic church, Christian, whatever are really applicable to everyday life. Meaning it doesn't really teach you how to survive as an adult in the adult world. Um, you have to assume responsibility for lots of things. Number one, turn the other cheek. I think that's, oh no, turn the other cheek so that the guy can hit you on the, on the other side of your face. That's a, that's a Jesus thing, right? Turn the other cheek. Is there any worse advice to give a human being that when somebody hits you, you should offer them your other cheek so that they also may hit that one? I mean, that is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. And um, one of those things that, you you know, hopefully you unlearn as an adult because you realize you, you, you build up your empire, right? And you should fucking protect it. You should protect the things that matter to you, your family, your home, your whatever it is that's important to you. And you should fight a motherfucker <laughs> if he's trying to take your shit. Uh, and also unlearning a lot of the things in Dan Pena's world. I'm, now this is back to Dan Pena's uh, theories and the way he thinks about poverty. And, and a lot of us are raised in poverty consciousness. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about... I'm talking about uh, you can be poor in many other ways. Not just it's not just economics. Money is a reflection of the other stuff that's not straight. The other stuff that's going on in your life. Okay, money, love, weight, health, uh, relationship, all this stuff. It's all, in my opinion, all connected. There's no such thing as like, hey, one, you know. One area is great. No, 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 no. There's a balance. There's something that's, if, if there's something screwed up in one area, it's going to eke out into the rest. Trust me. So poverty consciousness occurs when people think they're, you could be poor in time, you know, when people overschedule themselves um, to maybe avoid having to think. <laughs> you could be poor in health. You could be poor in love. We can be poor, yes, and money. But it's really about poverty consciousness, I think, is also about devaluing yourself, right? I'm not worth X, Y, and Z. I'm not worth the dollar amount that I think I should be. By the way, in money, I, in my, I think, is tied into deserving, feeling that you deserve a certain amount of money. And I don't know why the Catholic Church, this is another one that you grew up with, that the meek shall inherit the earth. Oh, the poor. For some reason, people think poor people are more noble than the wealthy. And that is just fucking patently false because people say, well, yeah, the rich people are assholes. Yeah, but there's poor assholes too. There's poor uh, racists, rich racists, uh, poor rapists, muggers, killers, pedophiles, rich pedophiles. It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't fucking matter. Uh, but again, society, that's one of those things you have to unlearn, especially if you were raised religious, is is the, this horseshit idea that y- you should be happy being poor. And I'm not saying that money is everything. It certainly is not. I have been very poor in my life, and I've had money in my life. And I can tell you, having money fucking helps a lot. I don't have to think about basic shit. <laughs> When you got money, going to the doctor is not a, a you know terrorizing thing, and it's kind of cool. So, poverty consciousness, that kind of shit gets passed on usually by your parents. Usually, people that grew up in the Depression era or grew up in a communist situation, like my parents, pass that shit on to me. That you know you should hold on to every scrap of thing that you own never throw anything away you never know when you're going to get the next meal like uh you know my my nana my nana would jar every fruit and vegetable she'd get her hands on god knows the winter's coming and you may not be able to find another lemon in california over the winter months <laughs> like what what are you talking about so but i what i mean by the poverty consciousness yes it's money but it really is about self value it really is about what do I deserve? What am I worth? What am I worthy of? And man, I got to tell you, as somebody who came up 
with a, a lot of bullshit in my past stuff. That's a big fucking issue for those of us dealing with uh, mommy, daddy trauma, traumatic background, because, you know, when you grow up having, how do I say this? Like when you grow up dealing with so much bullshit like that, you don't know what you're worth. You think you're fucking worth nothing. And like this, just like Jessica writes, you know, and a lot of therapists will tell you that, you know, you know how you improve your self-esteem, you do things, right? You accomplish things. And sounds to me like Jessica's accomplished a lot of stuff. Two full-time jobs, maintaining a 4.0 GPA, school full-time. That's bananas. And that's wonderful. And yeah, you should fucking do cool things because you're put on this earth for a finite amount of time and you should absolutely do cool shit with your life. Duh. But it still doesn't make her feel any better about herself, right? And that's the rub. And that's the fuckery of it is that uh, you can be you can be all these wonderful things and you can still not see your own value. And why is that? And why is that? Well, because you're poor in self-love. You're poor in, in uh, valuing yourself. That's poverty consciousness. Now, I mean, it's taken me of... God damn it. I, I would say I, it's not really until recently that I've given myself a break. Um, you know what I mean? You know, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Like when you, the self-talk, listen to how you talk to yourself. <laughs> I've listened to myself. I've listened to myself chastise me for little things. Like, oh, I can't fight. I can't. You know, uh, look, look how you, you fuck, you fucking idiot. Don't you know how to make coffee? What are you fucking retarded? You can't parallel park like a fucking normal person. Gee, what are you stupid? Like the shit that I say to myself, I would never let another person, I would never say that to another person, but I do it constantly to me. And I think the beginning of like, of at least my awakening with valuing myself came from listening to what I was saying to me. Because when I started having to talk to my son, I started to become really conscious of language. It's a very big deal. You know, and you hear these hippies, these fucking self-help hippies. Mm. Sorry, I'm drinking my disgusting primal shake. Uh, you know, these self-help people would say, you know, you have to watch yourself talk. You have to love yourself. And it's all very airy-fairy and it's all very not concrete. And I found that I deal really well with the concrete and really well with the abstract, but sometimes the concrete is necessary. And then imagine yourself as a 10-month-old baby. And would you say the shit to your baby that you're saying to yourself? I don't, I God, I hope not. Because most of us walk around with evil shit in our brains. And I don't know why. I mean, yes, yeah, some of that is, is obviously it's upbringing, but it's also the tricks of the mind. It's the tricks of the ego, right? That's what the Eastern philosophy teaches you, the Eastern stuff is that you're just going to have these wacky thoughts. And that's why training the mind is so important through meditation, right? We learn to, to hone the hatred in our own head, to hone the voice so that it doesn't control every facet of your day. Because there is a point where you have to override your voices in your head, the bad voices, and just get the fuck on with life, right? How many, how many people wake up stoked to go to their day job. Nobody, most people don't because it's like, well, but yeah, but you do it anyways. Cause you override the voice that says, don't get up, don't do it. You do it. You do it anyways. Cause you know, you have to same goes with mind control. You got to control your mind or that bitch controls you now. Okay. Back to the self-love stuff, self-value. All right. So for me, it started with listening to how I talked and then it started with um, forgiving myself. And that sounds really airy-fairy, and it is. And it's also correlated to forgiving my parents. Because if you hate your mommy and your daddy, and you hate the people that have victimized you, and you hate whatever, if you hate, have hate and active anger and resentments, well, guess what? The person that that shit's directed at, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they don't care because they're not, they're not suffering. You are. And I, you know, you know, it's so easy to say, just let it go. Let it go. Really? Have you had a shitty parent torture you for fucking years? Is that easy to let go? Is that easy to let go? An abusive, 
you know, POS mommy or daddy who says horrible things to you and demeans you and, you know, maybe physically abuses you, sexually abuses you, and, and you're just supposed to let it go? Is that, is that right? <laughs> it's nonsense. It is fucking, it is, it's so hard, right, to get to the other side of that. But unfortunately, it's kind of tied into your self-value, your value of self, because if you hate mommy and you hate daddy and you hate the person that abused you or molested you, whoever, blah, 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 it's really just eating you. It's it's the hatred that burns in you and you're living reacting to that. I know, it's terrible. So how do you get to the other side of that shit? <sighs> well, you have a wonderful licensed therapist, <laughs> number one. Number two, you start to see, at least for me, I mean, this is only my journey. I don't, I don't know what your deal is, but for me, understanding why my parents or whoever blah, 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 why they acted the way they did, right? And for me, like I talked about last week with my mom, uh, it was a huge revelation to realize that it was her illness talking and not her, right? So I didn't personalize a lot of her crazy shit because for many years I took it really personally that um, the stuff that she would say and do, right? It was somehow my fault. I'm a bad kid. And that's another part of why you don't like yourself, um, Jessica, is because as children, when somebody doesn't act parentally good, appropriately, you blame yourself as a little kid, right? Um, Why did daddy go away? Why did mommy and daddy divorce? And why did daddy leave? And as a kid, you don't understand that adults do things that are in their own interest and maybe then it's not correlated to you. But as a kid, you don't know that and you think it must have been me. It must have been me. I must be a bad kid. And that's why mommy and daddy divorced. And that's why, you know, whatever, daddy drinks, mommy, mommy sleeps with lots of guys. That's why. Because I'm a bad kid. And that's the genesis uh, of not loving yourself. <laughs> I swear. I mean, just in psychological terms, from what I've learned, um, kids blame themselves. They There's no other way to make sense of why they're not getting what they need, children. And so they they blame themselves. So that's what you're undoing. And Jessica, the way out is to undo all that stuff. So it kind of is a tedious process of going back and going, okay, where did I get the message from that I don't have value? Where did that start? Did it start with mommy and daddy? Did it start with a teacher? Did it start, who who gave me this message? You kind of have to go back and trace it and then unravel all that shit. At least that's the way I think. There's no other fucking easy way through this than um, doing it with the shrink, man. It's a trial by fire, bro. But in the meantime, and I know like, in the, in the, in, in the meantime, um, there's a wonderful, wonderful talk given by my favorite, Louise Hay. It's, um, I marked it down for you guys. Okay, look up Louise Hay, H-A-Y of Hay House. Uh, go to iTunes, put in Louise Hay, prosperity. Louise Hay, prosperity. It's a talk she gave on prosperity. And it's, no, no, it's on YouTube. You can even watch it for free on um, YouTube. And it's great because it's from like the 90s. And um, you notice how differently people spoke back then. People, their people weren't doing up speak yet. And the women just talked like normal people. (laughs) And there wasn't a lot of vocal fry back then. And um, if you watch the video, I'm telling you, Louise Hay, Google it, Louise Hay Prosperity. And uh, nobody talks like that. And, uh, 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 and you'll be surprised at how intelligent people were back then. You're like, fuck, we have devolved into morons. Fucking morons compared to just the 90s. You really want to blow your mind. Uh, Google anything in the 1950s. Holy shit. Back when newspapers were, what, at an eighth grade reading level? Uh, Now there's just no newspapers. (laughs) There's a great Greg Giraldo bit. Uh, One of my all-time favorite, favorite, favorite comedians. He's now passed away. But 
he talks about how we've devolved in our writing, and it's so great. He goes, I was reading a letter. I was reading a letter by uh, an old, you know, Confederate soldier to his darling wife, Dear Marie. <laughs> it's like this flowery language, right? It's been a fortnight since we've last written and blah, blah. And then he goes, imagine a letter today written by, you know, some guy in the Persian go, Dear Marie, it is hot as fuck out here in the dessert. <laughs> Shit like that. Such a good joke. Such a good comedian. Anyway, that was me butchering um, the fantastic Greg Giraldo's bit. Thank you. Rest in peace, Greg Giraldo. If you're not turning in your grave from that fucking nightmare, I just did. Um, But listen to Louise Hay. I think that's a wonderful introduction. And she does this thing where you're going to want to vomit in your own mouth, but it's so good. It's so fucking good. Do this right now. Do this right now. If you're listening to this and you're near a mirror, or you can pull out a mirror. Um, but pull out a mirror. I did this like a few years ago when I started down this road of self-love and value of self, blah, blah, blah. And look in a mirror and say that you say to yourself, I love you. <sighs> Just try it and see what comes up. Look in the mirror and say, I love you. And just see what comes up. See like, I remember for me, I love you. Yeah, but you're ba ba ba. Right? Yeah, but you could lose 20 pounds. Yeah, but you're not ba ba ba. And just hear what comes up when you say it. It's a mind trip. And that's kind of a nice place to start, I think, with this journey of self self valuing. Because boy, oh boy, you learn real quick with that mirror uh, where your demons lie. It's terrifying. All right, here we go. So that's it. That's what I got for for this. I thought that was such an interesting topic and such an interesting place to go. I got so many emails from you guys, by the way, um, about mommy issues episode. A lot of people wrote in with... um, with uh, 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 BPD moms. So thanks for that. I uh, like hearing your guys' stories about that. Oh, yeah, I don't want to go in there. Okay. Um, <laughs> this boy wrote in, Harrison. This is so cute. So he's basically a 27-year-old um, young lad who works at a retirement insurance company. And um, a lot of the, I think it's a long email. I'm just paraphrasing. Uh, so he says he works in a culture where the idea is like you work super hard and then you save up money for retirement and then you get to feel happy and alive in retirement, right? Um, okay. And then he writes, I know that I'm young and that doing what I want requires excruciating amounts of work and paying my dues, but I'm afraid of working for something that will ultimately not fulfill me. I'm not afraid of hard work, but everything tells me that I should quit right now and do anything else. My girlfriend's mother keeps telling me it's normal that you just need to swallow everything and suffer. She, along with many others in her situation, seem to have so much stress and so many health problems related. Of course, I don't want that, but at the same time, if I want to start a family and have children, this seems to be the only safe and stable way to do things. So my question is, what if the grass is not greener? Am I just fantasizing quitting and wussing out of my obligations to provide for myself and my future family? I'm lost here. Okay. Um, Okay, okay. So then he writes, um, I've talked to my coworkers and some old friends, and they all have told me that I simply do not belong in this world. But then how do I go about finding what world I belong in? How do you deal with comparing yourself to more successful people around you? How do you prepare for the future doing something you hate while in the back of your mind thinking, I could die at any moment and I'm working at a faceless corporation? I have a feeling that you will, without a doubt, tell me to quit my job. But what point am I just running away? With big decisions, is it always worth it to find out if the grass is indeed greener? Okay. Harrison. Oh, you're local. Good. Bro, of course I'm going to tell you to quit your shitty, miserable, miserable job. 
I mean, if it's miserable for you, I'm saying there might be people who love selling insurance. It doesn't sound like you're one of those people. And boo-boo, you're only 27 and you're stressing out about a future family. Trust me, you're a dude. Your swimmers are good for a long time. Don't even stress about the future family. And who's to say you're not going to be successful at, at anything else that you do? I mean, yeah, the grass is always greener. <laughs> Trust me. Here's the thing with the grass is greener stuff. Okay. Um, here's one that doesn't work as a paradigm I found. It doesn't work when the goal is to self-sabotage. Okay. The grass is greener doesn't work in the case of extramarital affairs. Um, stealing um, lying, like things like that. When it's rooted in bad behavior, chances are the grass will not be greener because it's rooted in dog shit. But when the grass is really about expanding your horizons, about growing and becoming bigger and better and potentially becoming the adult that you're meant to be, that's different. And I guarantee you that in the beginning, it's not going to seem greener and the beginning change is horrible. You're going to regret it. You're going to doubt yourself. You're going to wish you'd done anything else. Trust me. But eventually, because it takes time, things take time. And that's what we don't always know when we're younger people is that it just takes a minute for the dust to, uh, to settle and for things to make sense and things to come together And when they do, I guarantee you're going to be a lot happier. But it's messy because it's change and change is terrifying. And I understand that. But what's your other alternative? Staying and selling fucking insurance for the rest of your life only so that at the end of your life, maybe you can have a few good years. That is, of course... Unless you've already got uh, given yourself gout, diabetes from sitting in a fucking desk all day and doing a job you hate or hyperthyroidism or whatever high blood pressure just from hating your life. Because believe me, a lot of that stuff, it's all, it's all connected, my boo-boo. Like if you hate your job, here's the scenario. You hate your job. You're miserable all day, every day. You go home and instead of going to the gym, instead of going for a walk with your beautiful wife and your dogs or whatever... You sit your ass on the couch and you drink a 12 or a beer and you watch How I Met Your Mother, Dancing with the Stars. You get wasted, you eat a few chili cheese dogs, some chili cheese fries. You pass out, you wake up, feel like shit and do it all over again for 20 years. And believe me, there are people I know at 40 who have gout and who have problems with their livers because they've been drinking for the last 20 years because they've been miserable for 20 years. All this shit's connected. So, uh, look, if you already see that you're not a corporate person, get the fuck out. You're only 27, believe me. I know you're, you're at that level now, especially with dudes, it's really hard to look around and see people maybe going back to grad school at your age, maybe finishing law school, maybe buying houses, you know, all that. I I know. But their path is not your path. And I guarantee at your age, those people that are doing the big, the the things that, you know, maybe it's not for you, but seem right. A lot of times they're miserable. I know. And if you can defer the gratification of buying a home, the gratification of all the creature comforts, of having a stable a stable day job now, I guarantee you're going to be a lot happier for the long run. Now, I don't know what it is you want to do. Um, I don't know if you say what it is that you want. Uh, people your age are buying houses and building their nest eggs, you say. Guy, I know where you live. You, you say you live in a pretty rich part of town. I don't know how these motherfuckers are affording houses <laughs> at that age, but uh, good for them. So what? So what? You know how much money I had at your age? $200. I think when Tom and I got married, we had $200 <laughs> total combined. <laughs> so what? And yeah, we were 10 years behind everybody else. But I feel like I made the right decisions and I think we're pretty happy. I think it ended up okay. And fuck those other people. They're not living your life. You're living your life. 
who gives a shit what other people are doing? But that's another thing you have to fucking unlearn. That's what the shit that I'm talking about. This unlearning, the unlearning that you're just supposed to get a corporate job and be miserable and hang in there until you retire, if you make it, and you're supposed to have a house by 27 and be married and have 2.5. Yes, all this is the mantra of the shit you're supposed to be doing. The supposed to's make you fucking miserable. Don't listen to this shit. This is the propaganda. This is the American dream. And I know it's not a bad dream. It definitely isn't. There's a lot of people that they do this shit and they feel great about it. And then there's people like you, people like me, who think that there's more. Is that all there is? Yeah, there is. There's a fucking lot more. There's a lot more. And you're lucky that you live in a good part of of the world where there's a lot of opportunity. California, there's lots of opportunities. You know, you're not stuck somewhere in Alaska in some remote location without a lot of places or things to do. Do it now. That's my only advice. Do it now. If you fucking wait 10 years, don't you fucking wait. Come up with a game plan. Figure out what it is you want to do. Quit this fucking job. Try to get some kind of severance out of it. Number one, okay, don't just blow, you know, burn the building down. Try to get something. Or try to get fired. That's a good one. I've done that before. Just get fired and then do an unemployment vacation while you figure out your next move. That's actually the best if you can't get a severance package. But, you know, hey, drive a fucking Uber. Seriously, I I would have given my left tit to drive an Uber coming up as a comic. That's like the best thing ever. Or, or be a fucking Instacart shopper or a Postmates driver. There's so many ways. What do they call that shit? Uh, something economy. I forget. Um, whatever. It, the millennials have it. You guys have it the best. This is the best time to just be like a drifter in the, um, the working world. This is the best time. Figure it out. Fucking do it. Fucking do it. You're, you're going to be fine, Harrison. You're going to be fine. Hold on. What, what would... um? Here. Here's what you should do. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Yeah. Don't hang out with these fucking losers that tell you that you got to succumb to this life. Don't hang out with these people. Stop hanging out with people that tell you that mediocrity is okay. That's another uh, thing. Don't listen to those assholes. That's why a lot of times when I was your age, I never told people my fucking plans. If you want your dreams to be crushed... Tell sometimes the people closest to you your dreams. I never, I I swear to God, never tell anybody what you're going to do. Just fucking do it and let them be amazed because, I mean, well-meaning people will crush your spirit. So don't fucking tell anybody you're going to quit this insurance job. Stop talking to your mother-in-law, whoever it is, is telling you this fear-mongering. That's because that's how she knows, right? She knows how to be miserable. Don't take advice from the fucking losers. (laughs) Right? Take advice or, or look to the people who have done what you want to do and, and follow that path or some variant of it. Fuck. Don't listen to the miserable cunts. That's the problem. Miserable people want to tell you how to be fucking miserable like them. Ugh. That's all they know. Suffering. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that shit, right? Oh, man. All right. I got to go. I got to. I gotta fucking, uh, I gotta start packing. I gotta get my life. I gotta get my life. By the way, I've hired movers because I'm an adult. Uh, if you're over 30, you need to start hiring movers. Don't you dare ask your friends to do that shit. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh uh. I went for a nice long walk today, guys. Yeah, I sure did. In between training, I. I went for a nice fitness walk. You know what happened today? I'll tell you. It's so interesting because. Um, I had my day planned out. I had a really cool, groovy morning where I was going to put the kid down for his first nap, and then I was going to send a bunch of emails, right? I'm going to fucking do it. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to send all these emails that I've been trying to do for the last few days. I'm going to, um, and then I'm going to clean out my closet, and then I'm going to go to the gym here, and I'm going to run on that elliptical thing, and I'm going to come back. I'm going to have lunch with a friend. Like, I had this great morning planned out, and then... <laughs> I went to go put the kid down and he didn't want to go down. He started chewing his crib instead. Yes, biting his crib, lunatic. So, of course, I was like freaked out about that. And then, so I missed my window for emails because the kiddo won't sleep. And then I go, I get up to go to the gym. The road's closed to go to the gym. <laughs> like, 
all these things. And so I, I just kind of went, huh, all right, well, look, I'm put on a different path today. I want to do this, but everything else is telling me to go here. So you know what? I'm going to fucking go here. I'm just going to surrender to this. I'm going to surrender to what, what is in front of me. And, uh, and I ended up going for a nice walk in the hills around here instead of going to a gym. And I thought, well, this is why uh, the road was closed. It was there paving it or whatever. So that I could actually look at birds and trees and flowers and, um, and get some vitamin D because I hadn't been out, I haven't been outside in forever. And that was the point of all that stuff. It wasn't to, you know, go through emails and do it in a weird energy because I was kind of freaked out and full of anxiety and, God knows you're not going to send any positive emails, anything good when you're all freaked out. So it's kind of a, kind of a nice detour. And I got to, I got to see nature, man. And I got to, uh, exercise and feel connected to my body for the first time ever. I would say I've really never been physical, you know that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it felt pretty, pretty good. Nice long walk, calm me the fuck down. Oh, and then my dog took a shit in my closet. If I even leave the closet door open an inch, these fuckers go in there and then they shit all over my slippers. FIFA, I know it's FIFA. I can tell it's FIFA because of the size of the turd. Bitsy's turd is like a pellet. It's like tiny because she's tinier. But FIFA's turd, it's a particular size and color and I fucking knew it was him. God damn it. I know I don't hit my dogs, but boy, when they shit in my closet, oh, I gotta, I gotta hold back the impulse. That really makes me want to beat the shit out of them. Is when they shit in my closet, God. But I don't. I fucking want to. Oh man, wow, they just like how my shoes smell. I guess it smells like dogs' asses to them. All right, bros, I'm going to go. I'm going to get my life, get my entire life. I hope this episode has been helpful. Email me. That's deep rope podcast at gmail.com. Check out my Amazon banner. I mean, shop on it. Don't just check fucking check it out. Check it out. Check it out. (laughs) All right, guys. uh, Until next week. It's been deep, bro. Philosophize with It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. All thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep.